Well, good morning. Now, I am from West Virginia, okay? So, there's a few people in here I think can interpret for me if I need to, amen? You say, what do you mean interpret? I was in Romania preaching, and I'm, I'm preaching away, and I said something, and the interpreter looked at me and went, I said, don't you understand English? He goes, English is no problem. But he said, what you just said is not English, amen? I said, well, okay, you need to get you a hillbilly interpreter, amen? And so... Praise the Lord. And uh, so it's good to be here and we appreciate the testimony of this church through the years. And uh, it's been exciting to see what God is doing here. Amen. And uh, you can say amen to me. You can talk to me. Amen. I, I told the Sunday school class I preached in prison for nine years. A lot of it was in West Virginia. And some of you look real familiar. Amen. And uh, I, I made a mistake one time when I was doing prison work. I said, listen, I, or afterwards I said, I used to do prison work. And then I got paroled. <laughs> that, that was a lady in the church was sure I'd been in prison and I'd got, you know, she wanted to know what I had done. Amen. And so, but it has been our privilege, like I said, this morning for 19 years now uh, to be uh, working with Dr. Don Snow uh, in New Philadelphia, High Cal Calvary Baptist Church. It's People say, how did All Point start? I'm going to give you the short version, but All Point started really as the burden and vision of Dr. Gary Forney. And it's interesting when you watch the history of it, Brother Forney started Calvary Baptist Church in 1973. Pastored, the, established the church, pastored for several years, left there, went to the Arctic, was in the Arctic for 21 years, planted five churches in the Northwest Territory of Canada had a burden to see more men go to the Northwest Territory, to Arctic regions of the world, came back to Calvary, his sending church, talked to Pastor Snow, said, we want to start Points North Baptist Mission. And its emphasis was to send missionaries to the Arctic region. So then as that began to develop, I, I would preach there every year. I preached there almost 30 years for Brother Snow and their missions uh, uh, outreach. And so... Uh, Pastor Snow came to me one year and he said, look, this in the, I'll never forget it. It was in the fall of 19, or 2003. And he said, we want to do something more. He said, with Points North, we've been getting calls from people that want to go to non-Arctic places. And said, would you, we would like to get involved and do that. And he said, we need somebody to help us. And I said, good, I'll pray God send you the right man. <laughs> Brother Forney looked at me and said, we've already prayed. You're it. Amen. <laughs> and so I'll never forget sitting down with my wife. And she was like, are you sure? You know, and, but it has been great. And so when we got there, of course, I think there were six missionaries with Points North. And it's now we have now 48. A few years later, Points North and all Points merged together. And that's why you don't see Points North as such. We do still have an office in Canada which is a tremendous blessing uh, because of the Canadian government that is, it, it does say Points North Baptist Mission. So that all congregated and started then in 2004, 2005, the fall of 2005, uh, our pastor's son-in-law, Richard Weesey, is a Navy chaplain. And he came to us, he said, explain to us what an endorser for the military is. And he said, we would like to know if you would get involved. And at that point, there was not an endorsing agency for military chaplains that believed the Bible, had any kind of standards. Somebody say amen. Uh, 
any concern about music or anything like that. And so, long story short, we went through a process, took six or seven months uh, for us to get it done. God did a miracle and he moved people around in our government to get it done. Amen. I mean, the first guy we talked to said, no, you can't do it. And God took him out. Moved him to another position, amen. And and the guy that came in said, "Oh yeah, man, I think this is great." Got it done. Three months later, he's out. You got to understand the military; they don't move people in three months. They move people in two and three year increments, you know. And this guy came in three months later; he's going. The next guy comes in, calls me. He said, "How'd you get that done?" I said, "Well, the GOD works in the DOD, whether you like it or not, amen." <laughs> and through that time, God has just raised up some great men that our military chaplains, let, let, let me say this and I'll get to preaching. People say chaplains can't do what they, what, uh, that you say they do. Well, they can't. You just need to quit watching the stinking news on TV and believe what you read on the internet. It's gotta be true, it's on the internet. Yeah, and, and I'm six foot tall and have hair, amen. <laughs> and, and so, one of our chaplains just got his, he left Fort Linwood. I guess it's been about a year and a half ago now. He was at Fort Linwood in Missouri. And in an 18-month period of time, had 336 Army soldiers saved. It does work. Now, so praise the Lord. He said, what do you do? I said, I'm trying to keep all this straight. Amen. And my wife's trying to keep me straight. So pray for her. Amen. Our, our, our thrust at all points is this. It's not, we're not just a... We're not a mission board. We are a local church ministry. Amen. So our philosophy is it's our church helping your church get done what God wants to do in your family. See, I, biblically, I don't have an authority in a missionary's life unless he's a member at Calvary Baptist Church. Because the only people that have authority in a missionary's life is his sending church. See, we, we preach about local church principles, but we don't practice them. Well, amen. I got flat land in West Virginia. I'll sell you too. Amen. Smile. Amen. And so pray for us. Uh, we do things, but we want to also minister to those families. In a few months, we'll be having our annual training class, and we're excited to get back at this. COVID killed it. And so we'll be meeting in person uh, June 26th through the 29th. And we're excited because we get to minister to families. My wife ministers to the ladies and, and she does things with the ladies. We have other people. We're going to be going to the mission field, ministering to missionaries. We have a man that visits our chaplains on base, ministers to them. Amen. And so that's the job. So let me get to preaching before y'all want to eat lunch by one, right? <laughs> Y'all going to get to know me in a few minutes and it'll be all right. Amen. There's a couple things on that table I'd like for you to pick up. One's a prayer card. Pray for us. If you look at that Bible, don't pick that Bible up and take it. That's the only one I've got with me. If you look at that Bible, it's the Bible we give our chaplains. Uh, they pass those out. It is, it's a King James Bible, but inside of that, it has bound with that a discipleship program for military people written by a a military chaplain. So we bind those together, put it in a Bible. When we hand it to a soldier, he gets, he gets the Bible, a discipleship program, and a Bible reading program all in one book, and he can take it. So get one, just look at it, but don't take it. And then pick up this. Uh, many years ago, we did this, and I got back to doing it. 
We call this the All Points Baptist Worldwide Prayer List. You'll find out there's about 254 recognized nations and territories in, in the world. And if you pray for eight or nine, some days, 10 of them, you can pray for the world in 30 days. Now you say, preacher, why is that important? Did Jesus not say, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest? I challenge you to get one of these and start praying through these countries and realize how many countries you pray for that do not have a missionary that you know or heard of. It will boggle your mind. And then there's a space out to side where those countries are right here that you can write the missionaries your church supports beside the countries that they're in. And, and you can pray for them on a regular basis as you pray through the world. I will say this. I, I realize most people will not do this. And here's two reasons. One, you might be the answer to the prayer. Number two, worse than that, your kids might be the answer to the prayer. Well, we got quiet, didn't it? Amen. All right, take your Bible, son, if you would. Second Corinthians chapter number one. Second Corinthians chapter number one. You're going to find in the Bible what God talks about when he talks about missions and you, you, to me, you find missions wrapped up in one verse of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. Now, we'll look at other passages of Scripture to go with it, but you find it all wrapped up to us in 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 1, now read these verses previous because it really sets the, uh, the tone to it. And he says in verse number, uh, verse number 7, And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing... That as ye are partakers of the suffering, so shall you also of the consolation. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. What a tremendous passage of scripture. Amen. Hey, folks, listen, God puts us in places and in situations that we learn to trust him. Amen. I tell people all over this country, faith giving is teaching you faith living. God is not just trying to get an offering out of you to send a missionary to the other side of the world. He is trying to teach us something. Every situation he puts us in, he's put us in that situation to teach us things. Amen. I mean, Paul introduces this thought to us here. He said, we were in trouble, so much trouble that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, even that we despaired even of life. He said, but God put us there that we would trust in God and not in ourselves. Amen. And so he's teaching us this principle that God is taking everything we do in our lives, every situation we're in, everything we do, God is trying to teach us something. So then in the next verse, he introduces to us this thought. And he goes in verse number 11, ye also helping together by prayer for us, 
Now remember who's writing. This is Paul the missionary. He said that ye also helping together by prayer for us that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. So understand who's writing this. Paul the missionary. So that's when he says us. When he says us, he's talking about him. He's talking about uh, Timothy. He's talking about Barnabas. He's talking about all those people that were in that crowd of, of people that Paul was traveling with that were doing the work of God. But when he says ye, understand who he's writing to. He's writing to the church at Corinth. That church that uh, after he had the Macedonian vision in Acts chapter 16, he goes to Philippi. He leaves Philippi. He goes over into Asia. There's where you're at. Amen. He's, you'll see these churches in Corinth and Thessalonica and all those places. And he's writing to that church, ye. So the us is the missionary. The ye is the church. And notice then how he says this, ye also helping together by prayer for us. And he introduces the first thought for the gift that is was bestowed upon us. And so he interjects that they're involved in their life in giving. Now, go to if, we, if you would, in Second Corinthians, chapter number eight, he uses the same terminology in Second Corinthians, chapter number eight. Second Corinthians chapter number eight, uh, he, he'll be introduced again to that phrase. He, he talks about the churches in verse number one of Macedonia. And then he says that they were in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. Then he said, for to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of, of themselves, praying us with much entreating that we would receive what? The gift. Now, he's not talking about the gift of tongues. Amen. He's talking about a material investment, the gift. I mean, listen, uh, I understand the, the whole scale, the whole scale of giving in churches and tithing is the first step. Amen. But tithing's really not giving. Amen. Tithing is you returning to God. What is his? The tithe is the Lord's, the Bible says. Amen. When he said, wherein shall a man rob God? He said, in tithes and offerings. How do you rob God of tithes and offerings? You keep what belongs to God. The tithe belongs to God. It's his, amen. And I've had people say, well, tithing isn't in this day and age. Read your Bible. Hebrews chapter 7 will tell you that Abraham tithed before the law. law. The Levites received tithe under the law. Then you read a verse in there and he said, and here, men that die. When the writer of Hebrews said, here, he meant here, now. Amen. 90 years past the, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Here, now, men that die receive tithes. So we're supposed to tithe, Amen. Okay. Pastor told me you're real quiet. Amen. And I have trouble with that. Amen. People don't talk to me. But then my wife will say, how are you supposed to talk back when you got me by the throat? Amen. So tithing is right. But then he says in tithes and offerings. And Paul said that we would receive the gift. See the difference between a tithe and your missions offering is your missions offering is that gift. Amen. It's over and above your tithe. It's different than your tithe. And a gift is always determined by the giver and why and who they're giving it to. Amen. I, I tell people, listen, I've been married 48, seven, almost 48 years. And if I go to buy my wife something, it's going to be a whole lot different than what I would buy Brother Rice. Amen. 
Now, I love him and appreciate him, amen, but this lady's walked with me through these years and held my hand and sat in airplane seats and, and went through uh, all the trials and tribulations and blessings of the ministry. There's a different relationship, and so the size and the scope of my gift will be determined by that relationship. So when Paul talks to us about the church, and he said, for the gift bestowed upon us by the church, your gift, your faith promise, your missions giving, whatever you call it, will be determined by your relationship hello and your love for what you're giving to how much do you love souls see you find in 2 Corinthians chapter number 1 them that gave them that gave. Somebody has to give so that the work of God can go on. Listen, whether we like it or not, you get to Matthew chapter number 10. He sends out the first missionaries. He prepares somebody out there to take care of them. You get to Luke chapter number 9. He does it again. He sent somebody out there prepared to take care of them. Every time the gospel moves and, and goes in different directions, somebody has to support that. Somebody has to involve their life in giving to that because that's the way it works. Amen? So there are those that give. Look in Philippians chapter number four. He says it again. He calls it that gift. So there are those that give. Philippians chapter number four. Philippians chapter number four. I'll go back to 2 Corinthians 8 in just a minute. But he talks about that gift. And in Philippians chapter 4, Paul refers to it again. And he says in verse number 15, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Notice how he says that in verse 16. For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity. Now do you understand there was a difference? People say, well, that was back in those days. Yeah, and back in those days they didn't have bank accounts. You didn't have checking accounts. You couldn't wire money. You couldn't, you couldn't transfer money all over the world. And, and so what they did is they would gather together the necessities of Paul and they'd send it to him. When they took the offering in Acts chapter 11, they couldn't, for the saints at Jerusalem, in Antioch, they couldn't just send it in the mail and send it down there. So they sent it to them in the hands of Barnabas and Saul. And so they delivered the gift. They had come to where Paul was and they delivered this gift. He said, you've sent once and again unto my necessity. And you get to the end of that next verse in verse number 15. He said, but I have all and abound and am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent unto me. Hello? So they were giving what he needed. So it's always our involvement in the missions is determined as a gift. And our gift is determined by the size of the relationship. Can I say that again? People, listen to me, folks. People that don't have a relationship with Christ don't see the necessity to get involved. The people that are sitting at home and, and, and I preach missions conferences quite often and it's always amazing to me. The pastor said, well, that's the lowest attended meeting we have all year. Why is that? Because you know that somewhere God's going to put it on your heart to do something for God. Amen. 
And so you say, well, if I don't go, then I don't get under that conviction. What you're saying is your relationships know what it ought to be. Amen. Amen. Because, you know, I've been married 47 years. Can I tell you, before I get married, going to a craft shop was not even an idea. <laughs> Amen. Gun shop, maybe. Amen. Sporting goods store. No. My idea of shopping before I got married, I know what I want. It's still my idea. Amen. I know what I want. I walk in there. I don't compare prices. Somebody say amen. I don't go to seven stores to go back to the first store and buy the one I looked at. The first. I just know that's what I need. I go in there and buy it and go home. Amen. I do not enjoy walking up and down 17 hours looking at things I don't want to buy because I didn't come here to get that. Somebody. But. Smile at me. But. I can go to Hobby Lobby now. Amen. I can go to Home Goods. I know my way around Home Goods. Amen. Hello? I don't mind walking down through the highway of those stores with my wife and let her show me what she likes. Why? Because of the relationship. I don't have trouble giving the mission because of the relationship. Dear brothers, tell me, this is my grandkids, you know. I guarantee you if they want ice cream after church, they're getting it. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Say, why? Because it's the relationship. Yeah, that's right. huh? My grandkids show up. They'll say, what do you want for supper? I, if they want ice cream and cake for supper, that's fine with me. Amen. Because <laughs> they're my grandkids. It's the, re it's the relationship. When it comes to Faith Promise Sunday, Lord, what do you want me to do? It's about this relationship. Go back to 2 Corinthians 8, and I'll give you one more thought, and then I'll try to tie it all together. There's two more points, and I haven't got stuck right here for some reason. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, notice what he said. He said, so they, verse 4, praying us with much entreating that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And notice what he said. And this they did not as we hope, but first, what? Gave their own selves to the Lord. And then he said, and unto us by the will of God. He said they gave us themselves unto the Lord. They got in that relationship. They got involved in that relationship with God. Hey, listen, a relationship with God will not, not ask you, make yourself ask the question, what do I have to do for missions? It will ask, make yourself ask the question, what do you want me to do? Because in the previous verse, he said, for to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. You get it a little later in this passage of scripture, look in chapter eight and verse number 11. He said, now, therefore, perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance out of that which what you get. No, what you have. So what you have is what is in your power. 
That widow woman in 1 Kings 17, when God sent Elijah over there, and Elijah walks up and said, give me something to drink. And she said, okay. And he said, while you're going there, fix me a little cake. And you know the story. And she said, but I don't have a, a bunch of stuff. I've got a little meal in a barrel, a little oil on the cruise. I'm going to make a cake for, i got these two sticks. I'm going to make a cake for one for me, one for my son. We're going to eat them and die. And Elijah said, but he said, I understand that, but do as thou said, but make me a little cake first and bring it unto me. And then he said, in the promise of God is the cruise of oil will not fail, nor the barrel of meal waste until the Lord sends the rain on this earth. Amen. And so he said, perform the doing of it out of that which you have, that which is in your power. And then he said, and beyond their power. So I do what's in my power, but what about tomorrow when God does something else? Now you're beyond your power. Amen? So go back to 2 Corinthians 1. So there are those that give, which is the whole thrust of this thing. You say, preacher, what's this month all about? It's not just about the gift, because there are those that give. He said, for the gift that was bestowed upon us, by the means of many persons. Now, let, let, me, let me interject one thought right there. He said, by the means of many persons. I, I was talking about this the other day. The average missionary, and I said in Sunday school, needs 70 to 100 supporting churches. So what, what, what do you have here today, brother? How many people you normally have? 200? 100? 120? So let's say every church of those 100 supporting churches has 120 people. You know what that means? 12,000 people gave by the means of many persons. Aren't you glad God doesn't expect you to give it all? Just give your gift. And when you give your gift and they give their gift and they give their gift and they give their gift and 12,000 people give their gift, the missionary gets his support and goes to the mission field. Amen. So you have them that give. And you, you see in this passage of scripture, them that go, because he said, ye also helping together by prayer for us. Here's Paul, the missionary. Hey, for the gift bestowed upon us, for by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. And so you have those that give and you have those that go and thank God for the ones that are going. But can I tell you, we're in a dire circumstance in our world today. Amen. Let me give you a little something to think about. When I got saved in 1972, one of the first missionaries I met was a guy named Norm Johnston. Norm Johnston was a missionary in, in, in Korea, South Korea for several years. Came back from South Korea, was the mission director and teacher at Ambassador Baptist College for several years. But he made a statement and it was a known fact in that day and age that there was over 35,000 independent Baptist missionaries in the world. You know what there is today? Less than 15,000. Yet in 1972, we just went back, went by six billion people. And today we're at eight. I read an article the other day and this guy's right. We're in a sad place. He said, according to his calculations of every 100 young people in Bible college in America today, only one of them is headed to the mission field. I can name you 12 churches in West Virginia today looking for pastors. Can't find somebody. 
Why? We're not telling our young people. We're not challenging our young people. We're not encouraging people to go. We're telling them to stay. Don't take my grandkids. Don't take my kids away. When you study this Bible and you get to Matthew chapter number nine, when Jesus has the vision or not vision, but has the compassion and he's and it's shown to us. It said he went to those cities and villages preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And he sees them as sheep. They have no shepherd. And he was burdened about that. And that's when he says for the first time, the harvest truly is plenteous and the labors of you. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. And you get to the next chapter and it says, and he called out 12 of those apostles and he sent them. But if you understand it, there was at least 82 in that group. Because Luke 9 says he sends out the 12. Luke 10 says he sends out the other 70 also. So there was this group of people in their relationship with God. And Jesus said, you go here, you go there, you go here, you go there. He started sending them. And not only are we in a dire need of them that give, we are in a dire need of them that go. The average age of a missionary in our circles right now today is over 60 years old. Where are the young ones? You'll see on that table back there, we've started an internship program with All Points Baptist Mission for one reason. We want young people to have the chance to go live on a mission field six weeks to three months, understand what it's it's like, understand what they're going to be facing and pray that God in that time will call them to go back there or go somewhere in the world on the mission field. But they understand what they're facing and they understand what they're getting into. And when they start down that road, they'll finish the course. So this week or this month, it's not about just what you would give but it's about what would you do to go? You need help to go to the nursing home, brother? You got everybody you need? You do? Well, praise the Lord. That's an unusual situation. Amen. I wonder if there's a young person in this room that God would say, I want you on the mission field somewhere. I'll tell you what will happen. 1996, I was looking at the other day, looking at some things. 1996 is into January. I was in the Philippine Islands. And the man said, I'm gonna, I want you to go with this preacher and you're going to go back to this village to preach. I said, okay. So he picks me up in this Honda 90 motorcycle. He's on the front. I'm on the back hanging on. Got my feet on them little pegs. Them are not made for people. Amen. Especially when you're going 40, 50 miles back in this jungle, up this mountain, around these dirt roads. That guy's just, he's, he's like a, I don't know, motocross driver. And he's just going, and I'm hanging on for dear life. Got my foot stuck in the thing like to shoot the end of my shoe off. And I'm gonna, I get, we get back in his village. And he said, okay, who's the village elder? And they directed us to this man. And we walked over there and we talked to him, told him who we were. He reached in his pocket, pulled out this piece of paper, and he, and he handed it to us. 
He said, did you come to tell us that what's in this is true? He said, I was down off this mountain down in the village 10 years ago, and a man walked by and handed me this. He said, I needed to know that and walked on. And he said, we've been sitting up here wondering, is this true? When he handed it to me, I looked at it. It was a copy of God's Simple Plan of Salvation track. He said, we've been reading it and reading it and reading it. Is this true? Amen. I said, yeah, we come to tell you it's true. He said, sit down. We sat down on that little stone wall, and he went through that village and sent people through that village, and they gathered every man, woman, and child they could get a hold of, sent them down in the middle of that village uh, center, and it said, they finally showed up to tell us this is true. Amen. He looked at me, and he said, we have nothing else to do the rest of the day, sir. I've got a feeling there's countless thousands waiting for them that will go. With the last half of verse number 11, I'm done. Doesn't really mean anything, just make you feel better that I said it, amen. So. There's them that give and there's them that go. But look what he says at the last half of that verse. He said, by means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. There are them that get. You see what you mean they get? They get the plan of salvation for the first time in their life. Huh? When Jesus came off that boat over there on that seashore and that maniac of Gadara came down there and he, I don't really think he realized what he was getting into. And he comes down there and he meets Jesus Christ and those demons are cast out of him. And boy, he got what he needed that day. Amen. I mean, you, you think about the blind Bartimaeus sitting along the side of that road and he cries out to Jesus. And as he cries out to Jesus, Jesus turns and he's, he receives his sight. He got what he needed. I mean, you just go walk through Scripture after passage after passage when the servants of God went where they needed to be, where God had sent them, and they preached what God sent them there to preach. People got salvation. They got what they need. Homes were put back together. Lives were changed. Uh, marriages were restored. Hey, listen, this book is all about, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about people getting what they need. Amen. But they can't get it. Unless somebody goes, and somebody can't go unless you give it. Huh? I was in the Philippines Island one other time, and this man came up to me. He said, I want you to come down to the island of Mindanao and preach. I said, no, sir. Uh -uh. He looked at me, he said, what do you mean? Uh -uh. And I said, hey, the, the United States government tells us that that's a dangerous place to be, and you're not supposed to, you shouldn't go there. And he said, but I need you to come, preacher. I said, no. He said, but do you understand? He said, when an American preacher comes, people show up and lives get changed and things happen. He said, will you come? And I just looked at him and said, when the government tells me it's safe. This is before I learned some things. Somebody say amen. When the government tells me it's safe, I'll come. And he took me by the face like this and looked me in the eye. And he said, you go back to America 
and the safety of your security of your country with this thought. Are you willing to let the harvest die in the field? Amen. You ask my wife. I'd wake up in the middle of the night. I'd see his face. I'd hear his voice. So I called him. I said, we're coming. Went there and preached their church. Oh, my soul. I didn't know till I left that a man slept outside the door of my motel room with a loaded weapon every night to protect my life. That everywhere I went, there was somebody with me and they were there to protect my life. We had over 200 people saved that week. That church, this is 25 years ago. That church gave $42,000 to missions. With a church that only, the people only make $300 a month. Them that go, because them that give, will see them that get. So the question is, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You see, but preacher, it don't work like that. Yes, it does. Amen. Brother Robert Mickey is a missionary. You probably know Brother Robert down in Kenya, Africa. He got a call from a, a man in the Democratic Republic of the Congo and said, can you come over here? He said, why? He said, well, we need you. So Brother Mickey and a good friend of mine, Brother Scott Hall, decided we're going to go. To get there from Kenya, you had to cross Lake Victoria on a boat. He said, we went down there and got the ticket to the boat. The boat should have held 40. You could set down 40 people. He said they had 100 plus in that. He said it's a six and a half or seven hour trip across that lake in that boat. No water, no food, no place to go to the restroom, nothing. He said we stood for the whole boat ride. He'd get to the other side, these men were waiting on him. He said, We're tired. We're hungry. He said they he says, Come on, come on. He said, so they took us to this house. And he said, we sit down in that house. He said, man, okay, we can rest for a minute, get something to eat, get something to drink. He said, all of a sudden, the room began to fill with these Congolese people. And he said, they began to jabber. He said to the man, what's the deal? And they produced a piece of paper. And he said, 25 years ago, a man came here and gave us this. And we've been preaching this for 25 years. And it was God's simple plan of salvation. He said the man that gave it to us got sick, had to go home to the States and could never come back. He said, they said, what's the rest of this? Amen. Brother Mickey said he was back there the other day preaching about a year ago. A 90-year-old man came and got saved. He said, uh, he said, missionary, can I talk to you? He said, sure. He 
He said, we went over and sat down. He goes, I believe everything you just said. He said, it's absolute truth. He said, yes, sir. He said, but I have one question for you, sir. He said, what's that? He said, where have you been? He said, what do you mean? We're, he said, I, you know, he said, we live in over, the, in, over there in, in Kenya. We had to get here. Da, da. He said, no. I didn't ask you that. He said, my, my wife last year got sick and died and never heard this. So according to what you just told me, I'm going to heaven. She's going to hell or is in hell. Where have you been? What have you been doing? I think there's multitudes over this world. They're just waiting to get the gospel. But they're not going to get it unless somebody delivers it to them. Them to go. Them that go can't get there unless them that give get involved. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Sobering thought, isn't it? That in a few short weeks you will make a decision about what you will give. And that could very well determine the destiny of lost souls all over this world. That somebody may not get the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the question is, what will you give? Or where would you go? So them could get. He said, preacher, pray for me today. God's been speaking in my life about going. Going more. Would you pray for me? I'm willing to go if he'll just show me where he wants me to go. Pray for me. Anybody like that? God bless your heart, sir. I want to ask you to make a commitment right now. To pray and begin to ask God what he wants you to give. Will you do that? Let's stand our feet. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Heavenly Father, please move in our hearts. Draw your people to yourself. And we'll thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, Pastor. The piano plays. If God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Maybe you're here this morning and made a statement. Brother, Brother Morrison made a statement. Your gift is in direct proportion to your relationship with God. And maybe you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with God. You don't know who he is. You need to be saved this morning. Listen, if that's the case, why don't you come down front and we'll take the word of God and show you how you can know for sure where you'll spend eternity. That's the most important decision in your life that you will ever make. Maybe you're here and you say, Preacher, I, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. My relationship's not what it should be. But you get that relationship fixed, and giving won't be a problem. God wants you. He wants your heart. He wants your life. He wants you dedicated to Him. 
Why not give yourself to him and say, God, I'm yours. Every bit of me. As the piano plays, the altars open, these have come. There's still room, there's still time, we're not in a hurry. Maybe you just want to pray for our missionaries. Maybe you want to pray for the fields, the mission fields that we know of. Maybe God's calling you, wants you to go. Whatever the need, the altar's open.